Hello sports fans and all you football bettors out there. This is Gary Green, longtime professional sports better and professional sports handicapper for the past 32 years and also publisher of the Blue Book Weekly Football Betting Magazine. Also longtime radio and TV personality right here in Las Vegas, Nevada, the gambling mecca of the world. For the next 30 minutes, I will try to preview on as many college football and NFL week number 10 games as I can, and we're going to do just about all of it from a betting perspective. So grab a pen and paper, and I've basically done all the handicapping homework so that you don't have to. So let's go to one of the first things I look at when I handicap a game each and every week. I go right to last year's results of the same teams facing off this week, and then I also go back and go in a little deeper and look at the past five years' final scores. Now, most teams, guys are going to be on that team for four years with red shirts five years. So there's certain opportunities that you can grab certain weeks where one team is in a situation for huge revenge and they don't want to finish their year like a Michigan-Ohio State. The Michigan seniors, if they lost three years in a row, they don't want to lose all four years. You know you're probably going to get a good solid effort. The key is, are they better this year than maybe last year? Are they the better team this week? than they were in the last year or four years or five years. So let's just look at a few teams that actually have lost five straight times to this week's opponent. First, you have Arizona, who's lost five straight games to USC. Unfortunately for Arizona, they couldn't even get a game in last week. So this will be their very first game going against probably the uh, top elite team in the Pac-12. Georgia State has lost their past five meetings to Appalachian State. Rice has lost five straight to Louisiana Tech. Missouri has lost five straight to Georgia. UCLA has lost its last five meetings to Utah. And UL Monroe has lost five straight games to Arkansas State. And in those five games, they allowed 48, 67, 59, 51, and 31. So uh, they have not been able to slow the Arkansas State offense at all for five straight years. Now we want to look at some lopsided or dominant wins by one team over the other. And again, I'm a UCLA guy. Utah's beaten UCLA five straight times. I just told you that. But they won the last three meetings by a combined score of 138 to 30. They have just overwhelmed UCLA. UCLA started last weekend with a turnover uh, buffet and lost that game against probably the predicted worst team in the Pac-12. So uh, it's an interesting game for UCLA. Uh, it's a short season here because they've lost half of it in the Pac-12, but uh, UCLA is going to have to have a great performance to be able to beat a very well-coached Utah team. Next, we have Central Florida. In their last three-year wins over the Temple Owls, they've scored 62, 52, and 45 and Central Florida is coming in right now as the number one offense in all the country. I mean, this team is absolutely loaded on the offensive side of the ball. Defense not so great, uh, but they can easily put up 60-plus points again here tomorrow. Next, we want to look at Ohio State. They have scored 73, 52, 62, 62, and 49 points the last five times. They've played Maryland. They've been massacres. We know Ohio State has always been a top five team, especially the last five years. Maryland has not been that good, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Nothing's really changed on the defensive side for Maryland. 
but they have been pretty good the last couple weeks with uh, Tua Tags, his brother, now a quarterback for Maryland. So a little bit of promise there for at least the Maryland offense to hopefully keep them in what will probably be a lot of high-scoring games ahead. Some key trends to look at. Again, Maryland and Ohio State, the last five went over to the total, and really uh, Ohio State probably scored enough for most of those totals themselves. Washington State, surprisingly, against a very good Oregon team. Oregon's been a top Pac-12 team for the last five years, but Washington State has got the cover for five straight years. Utah, again, 5-0 against the spread in those massacres against UCLA to five years. Uh, Arkansas State, 5-0 against the spread against UL Monroe and all their big wins. And one interesting one, SMU and Tulsa. Their last four meetings have all been very close. They've been decided by 6, 3, 4, and 3 points. Now we'll go over to the NFL. We have just a couple to talk about, but first the total for the Raiders and the Denver Broncos. The last seven straight meetings between these two division teams have gone under the total, all being more of low-scoring type games. But the Raiders have actually covered five straight games now against Denver. Seattle and the Rams, four of the last five meetings have gone over the total. I'll talk a little bit more because that's the premier game of the week we're going to talk about on today's show a little bit later. Minnesota and Chicago, the Monday night football game, which is the bailout game for many betters out there across the country every week trying to salvage a bad week. And that's something you don't want to do, but everybody will do it. If they're losing bad, they'll try to get it all back in that one game. And uh, that's the game we're going to have this week, Minnesota and Chicago. The Bears have actually played very well against Minnesota the last three years. They're 5-1 and one against the spread. They've won four straight games straight up. And uh, for the Vikings, they're a little hot right now. The last two weeks getting back on track. The Bears, team that if you've listened to me on radio shows all year, uh, or read my articles, I have just been ripping the Bears. I don't like the head coach. I'm not a Nick Foles guy. They continue to play terrible on offense. They slow start, which is a sign of poor head coaching each and every week. And now they're going to have to uh, look for uh, a Vikings team out for some big-time revenge, losing all four games the last two years. The last one to look at here is the uh, Cincinnati Bengals-Pittsburgh uh, series for the last four years. The last four games have gone under the total. Pittsburgh has actually beaten Cincinnati 10 straight times. And uh, I actually have two more real quick. Tampa Bay and Carolina. Six of the last eight meetings between those two have gone under the total. And Philadelphia Giants a battle for first place in the NFC least, I mean East, as these two teams, Philadelphia, win here can really give them a nice cushion, and they only have three wins so far, and even with four wins in most divisions, they'd be in third place. But the Philadelphia Eagles, seven of last nine meetings when they face the New York Giants, have been very high-scoring games going over the total. Philly has actually owned the Giants, winning seven straight games straight up. A couple of deceiving numbers, and I always say this on every show, and anybody I talk to, Please, if you just handicap 20 minutes, make sure you look at the box scores from last week, not just the final scores. I'm going to go over some very deceiving stat numbers from last week. The Chicago Bears lost to Tennessee 27-17. to They ran 72 plays to just 42 plays for the Tennessee Titans. Another aspect of handicapping is last night the Titans played on a short week, Little rest, 
They're going to have tired legs. They were playing another team that was going to have a little bit of a, a tired leg syndrome because they were all coming off a short week as well. But the bottom line is Tennessee's defense was on the field for most of the game last week. And what happened last night? Second half, you could see clearly they were gassed and uh, they ended up losing the game badly. And so these numbers, stats, do not lie. Detroit Lions last week ran 72 plays to only 54 for the Vikings, yet they lost 34-20. Carolina Panthers, this is a shocker really. The Chiefs had to hold on for dear life to beat this Carolina team 33-31, but the Panthers ran 74 plays to the Chiefs 57. This is what the Panthers could be if Christian McCaffrey, their superstar, the stud, running back, pass receiver, to me, the most valuable player on any team, given team in the NFL. When he plays, this is what you get for results. Unfortunately for Carolina, he's hurt again. He'll miss this week. And when he plays and when he doesn't play, it's two completely different teams. The L.A. Chargers, last week against the Raiders, they ran 73 plays to just 53 for the uh, uh, Vegas Raiders. The Raiders, though, won 31-26 as the Chargers could not hit one of those last two passes from a couple yards out to steal a victory. And last but not least, the New England Patriots and Cam the Sham Newton. They ran 76 plays to just 43 plays for the Jets, but once again, they had to hang on for dear life, 30-27, to 27. and I'll tell you a little bit about that Jets game and my rant here as we finish off today's show. You had uh, some really terrible offensive play calling performances, and this one shocks me more than any, maybe all year. Tampa Bay, we all know they got blown out. It was a no-show and the Saints just demoralized them. The game was over after the first drive, uh, nine-play drive by the uh, Saints to get a touchdown. They never looked back. But the Bucks ran the ball, folks, last week five times for eight freaking yards. That's horror show stuff, and uh, that's all to me on the head coach and the play calling. You can't get that crazy out of hand even when you fall behind. The Kansas City Chiefs, they ran the ball only 12 times for mere 30 yards. That's not like Andy Reid. I say the next uh, Chiefs game, you'll see a completely different uh, play call by Andy Reid. He got it out of uh, out of his uh, norm quickly. Carolina started fast on him, and he tried to just stay pace as best he could. Uh, that's not the way the Kansas City Chiefs win, but they win that close game because they're a winner, and Carolina lost that close game because they're still trying to be a winner couple of game-by-game game recaps real quick to go through. Seattle at Buffalo was one of the marquee games last weekend. Seattle gained only one yard less than the Bills, 420 to 419. Both quarterbacks really struggled against the opposing defensive lines. Quarterback Allen was sacked seven times. You won't see a team win too often when they're sacked seven times, but Buffalo and the uh, Bills and Allen were able to do that. Seattle and their quarterback, Wilson, though, he was sacked five times. He was pressured badly all day. Great job by Buffalo's defense. By far the best defensive effort I've seen out of Buffalo this year. And Wilson, two interceptions, two fumbles, four turnovers. You're not going to win many games doing that. Wilson's now got seven turnovers in the team's past two losses over the last three weeks. And uh, he can't afford to do that because the Seattle defense, folks, now listen close. This defense isn't bad. It's now the worst defense almost in NFL history. They've now allowed five opposing quarterbacks 
to total 400 plus yards passing and rushing. This is an all-time record. They've already allowed 3,228 total yards in eight games. That's the most ever in eight games since the Saints did that in 2012. And to add insult to injury, and uh, the, the shame of it is, for the struggling Seattle defense, they lost possibly three defensive starters, more Dunbar and Amidi, for this week's game. And they're going to have another tough game against the Rams on Sunday. Next game to look at would be the Houston-Jacksonville Jaguars game last week. And I bring this game up because the rookie quarterback for the Jags, quarterback Jake Luton, had a very solid first start. 26 for 38, 304, one touchdown, only one bad interception, but he did not look overwhelmed. That was a good sign for the Jaguars, although they've now lost seven straight games. It's not a team I would be looking to bet. They did cover the game, but they covered because they were going against another team, Houston, that had one win and never covers either. Uh, but the situation for Houston, they won this game for one reason only, the legs of quarterback Watson. Time after time in critical situations when they needed a few yards to get a first down, he broke tackle after tackle after tackle, and that's how they were able to just survive and get a win. You know, I talk a lot about J.J. Watt, and I, I just think that he's, he's such a highly paid player. He still has some skills, but it, something's just not right here. This defense absolutely sucks. He doesn't get much pressure. He gets a sack. Some people just look at a sack total. I look at every play. I look at how offensive line go against defensive line. And for the most part, you know, two quarterback hits in a whole game, he should have more than that. The Houston Texans defense is just brutal. And, uh, again, I have to tip my hat to the uh, Jaguars' Luton making the most of his very first start. The Chicago Bears played Tennessee last week, and uh, once again the Bears were flat as hell for the first three quarters. Uh, they ended up with a 34-26 time of possession advantage, uh, but they also had 22-11 first down advantage, but they get implode week after week, drive after drive with terrible penalties, numerous bad throws by Nick Foles to wide open receivers. The Bears defense is playing lights out right now. They're going to have to scratch and claw and pray that Nick Foles doesn't lose games and they're going to have to win games very, very close. Uh, again, as I mentioned for Carolina, the return of McCaffrey, wow. Rushed it 18 times for 69 yards and one touchdown. And trust me, he was hitting the backfield five times and turned five-yard losses into three- and four-yard gains. The kid's just phenomenal. And then he caught 10 passes for 82 yards and one touchdown. Wow, what a huge help he is to the quarterback uh, and, and, and the whole offense. They outgained the chance 435 to 397. They dominated the time of possession 38-22. I love the fact that this Panther team does everything they can to win games. They fake punt it. They uh, completely stuff the Kansas City run game. They never give up in these games, even though they're not really uh, as talented as most of the teams they're playing. The reason they lost this game, two reasons. Tight end Kelsey for the Chiefs and speedster wide receiver Tyreek Hill. They combined for 19 catches, 272 total yards and two touchdowns. Really, though, for the bye week coming for the Chiefs, it's at the best time of the year because I saw how gassed they were at the end of that game on defense. Their defense still is not 
Super Bowl caliber right now. They're going to have to start playing a lot better. They're very fortunate to have the best quarterback in the league. Uh, Detroit at Minnesota, as I mentioned, this Minnesota team, they got smart. I've ripped Kirk Cousins for many years. He's my most hated player. I just think he's robbed more money from the NFL than Bernie Madoff in, uh, in his life. Uh, but they've learned. When they let him throw it 40 times, they lose. So what did they do the last couple of weeks? He's completed 11 passes and 13 passes. It's almost incredible to think you could win a game doing that, but they've won the games because now they let their superstar running back Cook handle the heavy load. He, the Lions now have five double-digit losses to their rival Vikings under their brutal and maybe the worst head coach in the league, Matt Patricia. On a huge play early, the Lions' D had only 10 men on the field. The Lions' run defense right now cannot stop the kids in the neighborhood. And all I can tell you is, folks, never, 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 never bet this Lions team. The Vikings, though, quietly making a little move with a solid back-to-back -back win division's uh, opponent games. And now uh, they're a little bit live. You can be assured no Mike Zimmer team is going to give up on the season. The Falcons have now won three of four under their new head coach, Mars. They could easily be 4-0 if uh, the running back, uh, Gurley, would have knelt on the ball at the one-yard line a couple weeks back. They would have kicked the last second field goal from the one, 99% for sure, and uh, they would have had four straight wins. So complete turnaround, and uh, it looks like to me on the tape, wide receiver superstar Julio Jones now back fully healthy, and what a difference he makes for that offense. You know, the Denver... Uh, offense again folks this team's poorly coached because week after week after week they're the worst slow starting team I've ever seen they have now trailed at halftime folks by double digits their last seven games that to me should be getting the coach fired I don't know if it's going to happen we'll have to see they do have a lot of injuries but all of a sudden, they seem to be able to perform pretty well and, and, and put up two or three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. So if you could do it in the fourth quarter, you could do it in the first and second if you're coached well. They're not. Vegas and the Chargers, all I can say is this. We know in life there's two things that are guaranteed. One, we're all going to die. Two, we all have to pay taxes. But I'll add a third now into that situation and it's that the L.A. Chargers will somehow lose every damn close game they play because their coach sucks. He's the worst coach. Clock management, play management. Guys short on the field, they got to waste timeouts. I've never seen anything like it. The Chargers have now lost 15 times of the last 18 the past two seasons when the game has been decided by one touchdown or less. They've won three and lost 15 in close games. They have six losses this year by a combined 24 points. And again, this head coach is the main reason why. And it's a shame because the quarterback is playing so good. But I do want to give one kudos shout out. And that's to the Vegas Raiders offensive line. They were missing two starting offensive linemen. You won't win many games when that's the situation. But that was the case. And they came in and played very well. And squeaked out a win and instead of being four and four what a difference now for the Raiders at five and three Pittsburgh came in as a big two plus touchdown favorite against Dallas who was just floundering terribly and the Pittsburgh Steelers did everything possible to lose but somehow came away with a victory this is the weakest eight no team I've ever seen 
They're still very good. They're well coached, and that is why they find ways to win because good teams like Kansas City, Pittsburgh win games when they play bad. But they now, Pittsburgh, check this out. They have wins this year by 5, 4, 3, and 7, and 5. They are winning very close games, but they're not hitting on all cylinders, so they're very lucky. If they ever hit on all cylinders, they're going to be hard to beat. Miami and Arizona was the battle of the two young stud quarterbacks, Murray and Tua Tags, and uh, they took the training wheels off of Tua, and he played pretty good. I really like this kid. I think the future is going to be bright. We hope that he can stay healthy. For the Cardinals, Murray, the kid was fantastic. He was 21 for 26, 283 yards, three touchdowns. Two of the five incompletions were clear drops by his receivers. Miami, though, outscores the Cardinals 10-0 in the fourth. The Cards kicker, Gonzalez, misses a 49-yard field goal after a terrible, and again, another terrible call, another head coach who is so overly uh, talked about, Cliff Kingsbury, the head coach of the Cardinals. This guy sucks, too, and uh, this is what happens when you bet on shitty coaches. You can pay the price in the end, and if you bet on the Cardinals in this situation, you paid the price because he doesn't know how to make play calls. Calling a, th- a, th- a fourth down and one, having a, a wide receiver shoot across uh, and, and throw a quick uh, dart, which Murray threw way too hard and too low. Uh, rather, just have Murray run the ball when he was running the ball at will. He never loses yardage running the ball. Again, tough loss for uh, Arizona, but a fantastic win for Miami because I'm, I've been telling people, I told you on the last podcast and on all these shows I do, this Miami team is winning with sheer heart. The talent is not really that great. They're averaging minus 21 plays a game the past four weeks. The offense in the last four weeks has been on the field for 213 plays. The defense has been on the field for 283. Okay, this is going to catch up to this team. They keep recovering fumbles and getting touchdowns early, and that's giving them some breathing room, and that's great. But you're not going to continue to get fumble recoveries for touchdowns every week. But their head coach, Flores, has this team playing well. They're pumped up each and every week. They have four straight wins. You have to give them credit where credit's due. But again, the tired legs are soon going to show up, and they're going to get burned, and that might end up happening against a team they're not supposed to lose to. I'm going to quickly go to my rant of the week. And my rant of the week here is the New York Jets. And they threw the game on Monday. They threw that game. Plain and simple, any good head coach team, when the end of the game, tie game, the worst they should have done was going to overtime. But they did not allow what they should have allowed. They should have just mugged the receivers at the line of scrimmage. The the, uh, New England Patriots at their own 47. They have no timeouts left in eight seconds. You just mug, you tackle the receivers right at the line of scrimmage. The time gets killed. If they're lucky, they have two seconds left. So they get a couple of yards. It's still going to be a 65-yard field goal almost to be able to tie that game or to be able to win that game without having to go into overtime. Once again, horrific head coaching. There's a reason why the team has no wins. Yes, they have bad talent, but everybody in the NFL, even teams with bad talent, eventually win a game or two. This Jets team's not winning a game all year, not because they don't have talent, because they're the worst coach team in the league. And Cam, the Sham Newton, again, I'll tell you it again, he won. 
He was lucky. He barely could beat the Jets, folks. The Jets are the worst team that I've seen in the last five years. They are bad on both sides of the ball. But Cam Sham passed for over 200 yards two times this year, folks. Don't expect just because they won there that all of a sudden this Patriots team's good now and they're going to make some kind of run in the second half because they have a very hard schedule the rest of the way and this team's not going to the playoffs. I'm going to tell you that right, right now. And my other rant is we continue to see punt returners fair catching balls inside the five-yard line. I'm soon going to have no hair left in my head. I can't understand how it happens. I get it in college. These kids are not that smart. If you listen to some of them talk in interviews after the game, you'd wonder how they graduated fifth grade. But the bottom line is how you're telling a kid to stand on the 10-yard line. Years ago, head coaches would tell the guy or the special teams head you know, coach, stand on the 10, the ball goes over your head, you don't touch it. Over and over and over, fair catching at the 1, the 2, and the 3, putting your team in bad position. And worse off, I saw at least five fumbles last week by guys trying to fair catch a ball inside the 5-yard uh, Five, you know, five or ten yard line, which is just simply atrocious. All right, let's quickly go into some college football offensive defensive mismatches for this week. Before I get into that real quickly, because I'm going to end up running out of time for this podcast, but I want everybody to know, if you go to bluebooksports.com, you can get my entire football betting magazine absolutely free. Each and every week, the $15 magazine's right up there. Easy to print sheets. Look at it. Use it. I did all the homework so you don't have to. And again, if you're not winning with your own picks and you want to be on board and start winning with a professional handicapper and a professional sports better, I've been doing this for 32 years. I'm one of the very handful of handicappers that's honest. I will not give you games just to make them up. I didn't have a play last night. I didn't have a play on Monday's game. We don't play every game just to be in action. It's a long season. We're 55, 31, and 4. We're 63%. Our best bet, two-unit games are 5-1, and one, or one-and-a-half-unit bets are 2 and a, Best bets are 2-2. Two and two. So 7-3 and three with best bets. We've always been great on best bets. But we're going to continue to win. This is the best time of the season the rest of the way. So, again, bluebooksports.com. Very simple, bluebooksportsalloneword.com. If you want, give me a call, 1-800-587-BLUE. I can get you hooked up on the picks. Uh, you can get the entire first weekend for just 99 bucks. And I have already up a two-unit for college Saturday, November 14th, which is my birthday, and we've never lost on my birthday weekend. So we'll hope to continue that. And then I have two one-and-a-half-unit best bets as well in college football. They're the only three plays I have now. I'm looking at two other games. We did lose two games to the damn COVID, 12 games off the board in college football due to COVID, which is a killer. Um, But that's just going to continue to happen probably for the rest of the year. But when we look at mismatches, that's what you want to look for. You have Central Florida, the number one offense in the country, taking on Temple's 79-ranked defense. Central Florida is a 25-and-a-half-point favorite. Appalachian State. The number 21 offense in college football, taking on the number 98 defense in college football, Georgia State. Appalachian State's a 16.5-point favorite. And remember, anything I tell you, the rankings in college, there's 123 teams total. Southern, or excuse me, Ole Miss has the number 5 offense in the country. They're going to go against the number 99 South Carolina offense. This has been the biggest bet game of the week, folks. Ole Miss has gone from 7-point favorite They're now up to 12.5 and and even 13 at some shops. That is the biggest line move of the week. 
Two good defenses going to match up. West Virginia, number six, going against TCU, number 39. Very low total there, 45. And last but not least, the Kentucky offense, 114th in the nation. And they're going to go against another really terrible offense in Vanderbilt, number 102. And again, a very low total, right around 42. Tonight we have a game, Iowa, number 19 defense, going against Minnesota's 112 defense. Iowa, a three-and-a-half-point road favorite in that game. And one red flag, folks, Florida State. Things are going completely south. The wheels have fallen off. The top wide receiver has quit. The quarterback has transferred. Stay away from this Florida State Seminoles team for the rest of the year. Real quick, the game of the week. Seattle, number one offense going against the Rams, number two defense. For the Rams, they have the number five offense. They get the feast on the dead last Seattle uh, defense in the league. Not often you see one number one defense in dead last uh, offense or vice versa, but that's Seattle. Seattle's allowed 44, 27, 37, 26, 23, 31, 30, and 25. Last week they gave 44. That's the most ever by a Pete Carroll team. Unacceptable. It's going to be hard for Seattle to go deep with that defense playing that bad. We're just about running out of time here, so I guess uh, I'll go over some quick betting nuggets for the week top NFL trends. The Saints have now lost seven straight games at home. Uh, the Green Bay Packers are 9-2 and two against, uh, against the spread against AFC opponents their last 11. The Dolphins on a tremendous streak, now 15-5 and five against the spread since week 5 of last year. The Jaguars just 4-25 against the spread. Their last 29 non-conference games. And last but not least, the New Orleans Saints have gone over the total seven of the last eight games. Hopefully we have gotten you up to speed here uh, for this weekend in football and handicapping. And again, we did it all from a betting perspective. You've been listening to Gary Wins Bet Vegas podcast for the weekend of November 14th, 15th, and 16th. I hope all your wagers out there are winning ones. Please, folks, stay safe. And again, if you want, give me a call at 1-800-587-BLUE. Check out bluebooksports.com and garywins.com, our new site that should be fully up by next week. Have a great weekend, folks, and may all your wagers be winning ones. God bless.